Um, we've got a sermon to get into, uh, but before we do, um, I, I want to pray for some things. And, and I just these last two songs, um, or actually rather the two songs before the last one, were, were a couple of things that just kind of stood out to me. The first one is, is death has no claim on me. And, and, and coinciding within that is scripture is, is that sin has no claim on me. Death has no claim on me. Sin has no claim on me uh, because of, of what Christ has done. And it strikes me that that is sometimes one of the hardest things for us to accept and, and believe and, and then truly live out. Because it can get frustrating or it can get tired if we find ourselves in, in cycles or circles or, or facing those things or always facing difficulties in life. And, and then singing out those words um, are, are almost something that we hope is true but maybe feels at times it might ring hollow uh, within our personal life. And then the next song, God's goodness is chasing after me. I think is another thing that can sometimes fit into that aspect where it's like, yes, I, I see it in Scripture and, and I hope that it's true. I want that for me, but it never, ever feels like this in my life. I always feel like I'm facing difficulties. Everything feels kind of like it's falling apart right now. And, and it can be hard to sing those words. Um, and actually, today's message uh, is going to apply to some of this stuff, um, but it isn't going to be in a, in a super apparent way right away. It'll come out more at the end, um, but I wanted to be able to pray for this first, kind of as we go into the message. And so what I'd like you to do is I'm going I'm to ask for people to, um, if you're having a hard time with that concept of death and sin have no hold on me, or the concept of God's goodness is chasing after you, Maybe you're just in a hard time right now and everything feels really difficult and, and you really want the power of God to move in a situation, but it feels like it's not happening. Um, I want to pray for you this morning, but what I want to do um, is, is to ask for everybody to kind of close their eyes. And, and if you're here this morning and that's you in that situation, I want to ask you to raise your hand. Um, and I, Christian, if you could watch and pray with me as well. Um, just take another moment. Just keep the hands up. If you're facing that difficulty, needing God to move, finding it hard to believe that it's true. All right. Father, we come before you uh, as a church and uh, just humbly acknowledging that sometimes things can feel so difficult and so hard that we wonder where you are. And even within that, we're in good company with David who wrote that how many times throughout the Psalms. And so, Lord, we pray that you help us to be anchored in you, in your truth. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move in the areas that we need you to move deeply in, whether it's transformations within ourselves or things that we're praying for to happen around us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in miracles and mighty ways uh, in order to bring these things. But also, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move and help us to see what you are already doing and how your goodness is chasing after us and how you are already in this situation and that we can submit to the work that you are doing. 
Help us to be anchored in you, Lord, as we go through this message on looking at the word and the truth of the word and being washed in the word. Uh, Lord, I don't have the ability to make that happen in people's lives, but you do. And so, Lord, I pray as we point to truth that your Holy Spirit would move and bring healing and revelation and breakthrough in areas where we so desperately need it as individuals and as a church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to get into this series here, uh, but I totally forgot earlier um, for the kids and, and to announce that. And maybe that whole purpose that I came out of my mind was for them to be able to be here and be part of that prayer as well. Uh, and so kids, if you want to head back to the children's ministry, uh, feel free to do so. If you want to stay here, feel free to do that too. We, we'd love to have you stay within the service uh, as well, but totally your choice. Uh, anyways. Uh, today, we're going to be cons uh, beginning our new series uh, entitled The Bride. Uh, and this is going to be about a five to six week series uh, looking at what it means to be a church. Uh, and this is where I kind of said, like, like what we're praying for ahead of time, like right off the bat, doesn't necessarily see like it's going to connect to this message. But by the time we get to the end of this message, you're going to see that connection. Uh, but it's going to be a five to six, six week series. And what it means uh, to be a church is going to be part of our, the rollout that we're doing for membership across all three locations. Um, we're going to be talking about different um, motivations and reasonings for membership. And then we'll have more details. And if you have questions during any of this, please see me or Christian on it. Uh, but much of this series will actually be out of the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to be going into that. But instead of starting in like chapter 1, we're actually going to be going to chapter 5. Uh, and the passage that as elders we really felt led um, to bring this series out of in chapter 5, verse 22. And it begins, uh, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So this message is often used within weddings, marriage counseling, premarital counseling, kind of talking about the interactions between a husband and a wife. But what Paul says is he's kind of talking about this and God's arrangement designed for marriage. And he's using that as an illustration about becoming this one flesh. And he says this mystery is profound, but I'm actually talking about Jesus and the church. Now, the church within this passage and, and throughout the New Testament uh, is Strong's G1577, Ecclesia. And it simply means a gathering of people, often with a shared purpose. It's just a congregation of people. It's a community of people that are gathered together uh, around a common purpose. And so we, Janesville is a community in the sense that 
people live here. We're gathered here to, to kind of live our lives. We're a community here within our church because we're a gathering of people with a shared purpose, which is Jesus. And then to live as his body, as his family here on earth, uh, fulfilling the calling that he has given to us. Now this gathered group described in Ephesians chapter 5 of believers is also considered as the bride of Jesus. I think it's really interesting and, and beautiful and profound that God chose this illustration for the church. Because brides are, are something that's cherished, protected, uh, beautiful, and adorned. In fact, do you know that the tradition of the best man uh, at a wedding when it first started out? Like he was supposed to be like the bodyguard. And, and so here's the bride and the groom and they're going to be married. And it was the best man's job to be like, because he was the best man at fighting or protecting or whatever it was. So, so like he's there to make sure that nothing happens in order to protect what's about to happen. Beautiful, protected, adorned. The language in this passage uses language like splendor, holy, blameless, and cherished. I just think about the weddings that you've been to or perhaps your own wedding and the splendor of the bride. I can't tell you how many times I've stood up here next to a groom and the procession's coming down and the groom's kind of sitting here kind of nervous and I've got some backup Kleenexes in my suit jacket kind of ready to go and they're kind of making some jokes and trying to, you know, get rid of that nervousness and then all of a sudden the bride turns the corner and inevitably, I almost hear tears in the man's eyes every time. I know it was like that at my wedding when Angie turned the corner and it was just kind of like the music seemed to fade and the splendor and beauty of the bride, everybody's standing up and turning around and you got the professional photographer there to like take the real photos, but everybody else has got their phones out and you know, because of the beauty and the splendor of the bride and everything that it represents within this. It says something about the church. That the way we value a bride is the way that Jesus values us. As something to be beautiful, as something to be cherished, as something to be celebrated. As something where he himself is sitting there in awe, desiring for the bride to come to him in preparation. That's how he sees us as a church, as a gathered group of believers, as something he absolutely cherishes us. And so with this, what we're going to be doing within this series, and this is the first thing, there's one more uh, aspect um, about the bride, which is actually uh, that brides are prepared, right? So, so a bride just doesn't roll out of bed, and, and just hop into a car and drive and then immediately walk around the corner uh, and then head down the aisle with, you know, the messy hair and, you know, everything else. But, but rather, it's a whole day event uh, when hair is done, nails are done, makeup, the dress, the flowers, even this preparation for the marriage and for that moment is, is often spent months in advance of, okay, which dress, which shoes, what coordinating jewelry, like how is the hair going to be, all of this planning goes in preparation for that day within the bride. And this preparation also takes place within the church. Verse 25 of the passage we just read, 
again says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. So just as a bride goes through preparation for that wedding day, Jesus is taking the church, us as his bride, through a period of preparation at this point as he is cleansing us by the word, he's presenting us to himself in splendor as his Holy Spirit works within us and transforming us uh, into his likeness in this. Now we're going to take a look uh, at this series and look at what the church then is ought to be. That sounded really awkward. I said it really awkward. Apologize for that. Um, again, the intention of the series is, uh, if Christ is working to prepare us by the Holy Spirit, to be presented in splendor, in glory, in beauty, where he cherishes us, and that's already happening and is in process. It's not like, oh, we're this dirty kid off the streets that we're in process and eventually, but rather he's choosing us already as his bride and there is this joy and this preparation of the already is and not quite yet spiritual tension that's often within scripture. But this series, we want to take a look at then, what does it mean to be a church that is prepared by the Holy Spirit? What is the church supposed to look like? How is the church supposed to function? How are we supposed to be prepared as the bride of Christ? Now, as we go through and many other things within Scripture, uh, we like to be able to protect the design of marriage between being one man and one woman. We like to protect the sanctity of that marriage and sex only being within a marriage of one man and one woman as we look at Scripture. We look at how many other different things and say, well, this is what sin is and this isn't what sin is. And here's this and here's that. And we have all of these different things that we look at Scripture and we look at the design that God had and said, this is the way that it must be. But how often do we actually look at what God's designed for the church is? What his design for the prepared bride is. To be able to look at that and say, okay, this is how we're walking. This is how we're supposed to be as a church that walks in faith together. That's what this series is meant to do. And that's one of the things that we're looking at doing with membership. Is so that as we, as elders, have come and studied the scriptures and looked at, this is what God's design and plan for a church is. Part of that is then for people to be in agreement with that and being in accountability to one another and pursuing that design together. We're going to have a number of different things that we look at within this series. Uh, but for today, we're going to be looking at an aspect of fidelity, which is a mirroring of marriage. But this faithfulness as a bride or, or the fidelity to Scripture, our faithfulness to the Word of God. We see it within this passage where Jesus himself is cleansing the church, but with the washing of water by the word. And so it must be this foundational, central, anchoring aspect of what it means to be a church. Because if we don't anchor it on scripture and what God has designed and, and Jesus has given to us and Jesus has called the word in John chapter 1, it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing that was created that has been created. In him is life. 
And that life is the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And so because we believe and hold that that is true, that, that Jesus is the Word, and that we, He has given us the Word, uh, Timothy talks about it being God-breathed and given to us. Because we hold to those things, it must be an anchor that binds us together and becomes a, a place of us becoming an agreement in that community, a group of people focusing on this commonly held belief and walking together. If we don't have that, then we're subjected to shifting opinions on beliefs and faiths. There, there's some groups out there that make that their whole religion, the Unitarian Universalists. Believe what you want to believe. Let's have a potluck together. Like, and that's what it is. Everybody has their own amalgam of faith, and nobody's believing the exact same thing, and they rally around things like reaching out to the community and serving the community, but as far as faith goes, there is no foundation, there is no solid rock other than leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. I'm oversimplifying it a little bit in that, but, but in essence, that's what it is. Or uh, if we're a church that comes together and we can come into agreement on some parts of Scripture, and then we also kind of agree, well, these other parts of Scripture aren't for us today. Well, then we're not really claiming the whole counsel of God being beneficial for teaching, for reproving, for setting things straight, for discipline, for discipling. Then we're creating our own Bible and editing it out and creating our own religion that ends up being false because we're picking and choosing as humans what is the wise things of God and what doesn't he mean for us today. And so it's important for us to be able to have this anchoring in the Word because Scripture tells us that this is life and light. We looked at that in John chapter 1. It's also said this in John 8. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my Word, you really are my disciples. So again, there's this deep connection between being a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Christ to the Word. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Again, connected deeply to the Word, deeply to the work of the Holy Spirit within us, breaking off the chains of sin and death and setting us free. This is connected a little bit to that prayer as we started and it's something that I feel led that, that we're supposed to do at the end of the service this morning uh, with the prayer team. And just to give you that heads up, that if you are feeling that there's areas of life that you are not really free as a Christian... Those are lies. It may not feel like a lie, but what Scripture says, if you're set free from Jesus, you are really free. And so if you're struggling with areas of your life in that sense, uh, we would love to pray with you after the service um, out through the back in that. Because I believe that the Word of God is true, and that means that this is true for you as well. We need to be a church that anchors on that which means that the Word of God is the foundation of our church. 
the foundation of our community of believers, our spiritual family. It, it binds us together by the blood of Christ. The, the word, Scripture itself, becomes a focal point and a needed anchor. Se- uh, 2 Timothy 3, we've quoted this already. All Scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We're a church that holds to this truth that we need to have the word of God and to share it and to study it and to have it be the foundation for everything that we do. Because if we don't, then we're not complete and we're not equipped for every good work. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Again, it was something that was foundational at the very beginning of the church to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to this, to this word. There was a fervent dedication to Scripture and this teaching because they were convicted this is the truth. And if this is the truth, then we want our whole lives to be anchored and walking out of that truth and what Scripture has. The other thing in this is that this is not meant to be done as individuals or as a solo act. Yes, we can get into the Word of God on our own, reading Scripture, having wonderful times with the Lord in our private reading times, but if we only stay there, we're not getting the full effect and the full design of what God has designed and meant for His bride. Acts chapter 17, verse 11 says, The people here were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. It's talking about a community of people that, that received the word together, but then they just didn't take it and say, Oh, well, this is how we're supposed to go. They would take the teaching that they received, bring it to the scripture as a community, and say, Is this what God is really saying? Is what he really has for us. It's part of the reasons that we have our Wednesday nights. It's part of the reasons we would like to have these small groups so that we can take what we're looking at. Please take the things that I am saying from here and just don't believe them blindly. Go to Scripture. See whether or not it's true. Everything must be anchored within this. We already looked... um, at that, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, so again, gathering together, there's a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, another tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for the building up of the church. So again, meant to be done within community. Teaching done within community. Singing done within community interpretations done within community, and all of this submitted to the truth of Scripture to make sure that it's not contradicting at all, but anchored firmly in the Word, in Jesus Christ. This is all uh, a learning process. We have to acknowledge that, that nobody has arrived where everybody's an expert, and, you know, therefore we have all of these degrees and intentions and big words, Uh, right? And and that we're all on a journey because we're all students. If Jesus is the chief shepherd of the flock or of the church, he is the one that's guiding us. It's his word that's teaching us. And we need to have this 
attitude of, of we're all students and we're all going through this journey together, examining the scriptures daily to see if we're taught is true. And so as a church, uh, as we're talking about membership, one of the things that we wanted to make sure that the foundation of everything was is Scripture. Because how else can we build the rest of the framework of what a church should be if we don't agree on this? If we don't say that a church should look like the church looks like within Scripture? Uh, and so that's why we're starting off on this. And as we kind of continue and uh, we have a, a document that we've worked together, um, and within that there's going to be some foundational pillars uh, of Scripture that we're going to be asking people, if you want to be a member, to confirm that you believe with those foundational doctrines within Scripture. Uh, and again... The purpose for that is so that as a community coming together as a spiritual family, that we have this common belief and this common agreement that we can hold each other accountable to. So that when we see each other uh, kind of wandering off or not holding to the truths that we've all agreed, this is what the Bible says, then we're able and we've already submitted ahead of time to one another saying, if you see me straying from this, I want and need you to approach me and remind me of these truths. That's what membership allows us to do. Now, this membership isn't going to be this thing where if you're not a member, then you're not welcome to come into our church, right? But if you sign up for this, if you join this with one another, it is this, I agree with these things, and I'm a willing to be within a community that's deeply pursuing these things in truth because I need help from other people. And membership will then allow us to know who has agreed to that, who is willing to help, who wants help, and, and we're able to have this closer, more intimate pursuit of God's design for the church and for us as individuals. Again, a learning process. Nobody's arrived, but we pursue this on Sunday mornings through the teachings, through small groups, men's groups, women's, our Wednesday nights, the prayer nights that we have. And it happens in coffee shops, living room floors, um, happens during Pilates uh, at the office. Like, like all of this is meant to be done within community. It's not just a Sunday morning for this hour and a half that you're here in these gold chairs. This is meant to be our life together as spiritual family, as what Christ has died to bring us together to be. We want to be a church that pursues the truth of God's design and order. And this is something that we need to, to pursue. And then if something it's you're struggling with, to, to be able to pursue Scripture, to be anchored within, within Scripture, uh, again, there's no condemnation in this. But it's a choice that we're making as a church to make this declaration and to call people that are like-minded to say we're pursuing this together. We're going to remind each other to do this and to walk in this truth. Because iron sharpens iron. And I'm going to be able to do it better knowing that you're watching my back and I can be there for you as well. Well, the second aspect uh, this morning, besides just the structure um, of the church within Scripture and being a church that, that binds and holds to this truth as our foundation, the second aspect uh, of God's design in this is the washing of the church in the Word. And this is the point that I was talking about when we were praying for those that were having difficulties uh, with different areas within life. God's design in preparing his bride is this washing in the word 
that's meant to cleanse us, to purify us, to remind us, to anchor us, to, to declare what our value is, to establish who we are. Not our own experiences, not our own perspectives, not how we feel like things are going in life, but rather how God has established and said that it is. And this is why we need to pursue Scripture. Not just so that we know how things are supposed to work, but for a spiritual miracle to take place that transforms our hearts and minds to come into alignment with what God has decreed. And so what I want to do here is I've got 20, 23 different statements from God to his church. And, and all of these are simply from the book of Ephesians. There's 65 more books out there. But each of these are from the book of Ephesians. You, as a church, are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. How do you feel about that one? Right? Amen. This is one of those things where like, yes, amen, and I want to see it, but amen, it's there. I think it's a difficult one for us sometimes. But that's what I'm talking about, the washing in the word. It doesn't matter if we feel that it's difficult or we feel like we don't see it at times. God says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Every spiritual blessing. I don't even know how many there are. But we can go through scripture and we can name some. Does anything pop in your mind with some spiritual blessings that we have? Saved by grace. There's one. Favor. Two. Peace that passes our understanding. Three. Love by God. Four. Righteousness of Christ. Discerning of spirits. What was that? In Christ, right? There's even passages say that we're going to judge angels at some point in the book of Hebrews. That we're seated with him in heavenly realms. Like we could go on and on and on about the spiritual blessings that we know of. Again, because scripture has told us. What about the ones that we don't know of? What's breakfast going to be like in heaven? Like better than any brunch we could come up with here, right? Like there's so much. Like like. If the pearly gate thing isn't just a vision, but is really what it's going to be like, can you imagine like walking up to these giant walls and there's this huge pearl that just literally swings out of the way so that you can walk by it? God says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. And, and our struggle, our, our fight as Christians is to believe and live as though that is true. That's where our fight is. If we make our fight against temptation, if we make our fight against sin, if we make our fight against each other, we get exhausted and we struggle and we face failures. And then when we face those failures, then they feel like condemnation and it knocks us down. But this is where we're meant to pursue. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Don't have time to get into every one of these as we just did for that one. Uh, but just an example, we could go as deep into each one of these as we just did for every spiritual blessing in the heavens. He chose us. He chose you before the foundation of the world. 
He made you holy and blameless. Do you feel holy and blameless? It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't. He says you're holy and blameless because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is what you are. Now the fight is to believe that and to walk as though that's true. You are adopted as sons or daughters, not because of anything that you did, but simply because he wanted you to be in his family. You are forgiven. He has poured out riches of grace on you. You're given an inheritance in heaven. You are considered a citizen of heaven. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. He considers you to be his special and cherished inheritance and people. The power that raised Jesus from the grave is at work in your life. Think about that one for a moment. Jesus, fully God, fully man, died on the cross. People literally took him down off the cross, knew that he was dead, put him into a tomb, and the power that raised him from the dead is at work in your life, in your marriages, in your relationships, in your jobs, in your struggles with temptation and sin, in your families. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. If it doesn't feel like it, doesn't matter what it feels like. God says that it's true. You are raised to spiritual life. You are seated in heavenly realms. You are his masterpiece created for good works. He paid for you to have unity amongst brothers and sisters by fading differences in the light of mercy. You are a temple of the Lord. You are considered by God to be saints. No three miracles and no dying for that to happen first. Right now, if you're forgiven by God, if you're redeemed, if you have salvation, you are considered a saint. That word saint literally means holy one. That's what God calls you. Holy ones. You feel like that? Doesn't matter. That's what you are. He calls you to live it. God has made you a new spiritual creation. You are a child of light. Your strength comes from God. He has gifted you his armor for spiritual battles. You are cherished, you are loved, and you are his bride. And this is just from Ephesians. 65 more books, and we can go into depth of each one of these. Jesus washes us in the word. We're transformed by what he says is true. And then our prayer and our walk of discipleship with Jesus is to walk in this truth. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you that it is a, a structure for us to be able to build our church upon, to look at how you designed it to be so that we can walk in that truth and protect what you have called to be cherished 
and beautiful and precious to you. We pray that you would grant us wisdom as elders and as a church to walk according to your design and plan for us, to be able to submit to that, to submit to one another, and to be able to go through this series learning more about what that is. But Lord, I also thank you that you have washed us in the word, that regardless of how we feel, regardless of what accusations the devil throws at us or what accusations we give to ourselves, they're not true. But what you have declared to be true, that we are cherished, beautiful, precious. That you have made us holy. That you have given us splendor. Not just that you have given us splendor, but you look at us and you see the splendor. I pray that you help us to see it. That your Holy Spirit helps us to live it. That we are a church that grows closer together, walking as a family, because you brought us together. That means at times it might get bumpy, or there might be more conflict. But that's what happens when iron sharpens iron. That's part of your design. And I pray that you would help us to embrace it, that we would go through conflicts, that we would find reconciliation, that we would forgive one another just because you have forgiven us that we would model the church that you died for us to be. And in this, we trust your Holy Spirit will do the work. We thank you for this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to head into worship here um, after this message. Um, but like I said, I, I really felt led that there's an opportunity here for you to receive prayer. If there's areas in your life that you still feel trapped or you struggle to believe these truths, um, that there is uh, an anointing for prayer today to, to break those lies. I'm not going to say break those chains because if you're in Christ, that's already been done. You've been set free. You're free indeed. We want to break those lies today. Uh, and so if you have those things in your life and want prayer, I encourage you to head back and join us back there. Let's worship our God.